Hello, everybody, and welcome to the B-Side Podcast for the Film Stage. Here, we do talk about movie stars and the movies that made them famous. We promise. We, we, sorry. <laughs> we talk about movie stars, but not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. Um, today, we're bringing back an old, uh, uh, an old kind of side... Uh, thing that we were doing a little bit really early on that we had called Ode to the Almost Movie Star. And I did a little soliloquy on Julia Stiles. And Josh and I did Josh a little solilo- Yeah. Yes, I did a little, a little soliloquy on Joshua Hartnett. And I think me and Connor had been wanting Raycon to like do it again. Yeah. And we talked about kind of who would do it's and always so, a tricky thing to navigate because you always tricky have, thing because you have to like figure out you know someone yeah. has you don't to have been be around. Mean, yeah, exactly. Right? You're not yeah, trying. Sure. To, we're, this we're not, this is not meant to be insulting to any of these uh, actors or actresses that we do. But anyway, so our guest who now Valerie, I have to tell you before I properly introduce you, I think it was Michael Snydell who like he would rec- he recommends. Like, oh, hey, this person, I love this person, whatever. I feel like that was it, right? This is like a while ago, I feel like, where I think Michael Snydell was like, Valerie would be great for this podcast. And you were like, yes, that would be, uh, let's do it. And it, But it was like, that was probably like 18 months ago. I don't even know, right? Does that sound familiar at all? Yes, I think yeah. that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I just, I so I put, I like had you in my, I was like, yeah, Valerie should come on. We should ask her. And then so anyway, me and Connor were like doing our like, okay, what are we going to do for this year? And I was like, oh, you know, we should see if Valerie wants to do it or whatever. And um, I gave you a list, right, of like, hey, we're going to do this almost movie star thing. Do you, who did I give you? It was like, so we're doing Taylor Kitsch is the guy we're going to talk about today. And, yeah. and you are... Valerie Ettenhofer, who's a writer for Film School Rejects slash film and the playlist. And I'm going to say your Twitter. Actually, you say your Twitter handle so you get it right. And we'll link to it. What's your Twitter handle? My Twitter is A and E and Val. Love it. And obviously, we'll link to all that and some of your great writing um, in the article and in the um, show notes and all that. But so what were the it was like. Rachel Lee Cook was on the list, yeah, right? Yeah, I think we had Michelle Monaghan was Michelle one of them. Michelle Monaghan yeah. is one we were thinking about. And I, you were uh, like, and you were like, Kitsch. Kitsch is, I, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I was going to say, I can't remember the list because I saw his name and I was like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I was all in for Taylor Kitsch. So what's, your, you, what's yeah. your relationship to Taylor Kitsch, Mr. I, Kitsch? I'm so glad you asked. Um, as we're recording this, I'm wearing my custom-made Tim Riggins sweatshirt that I got <laughs> there at it my is. Friday Night Lights-themed birthday party that I had in college. Um, <laughs> so I've been um, I've been a fan. I thought I had been a fan of Taylor Kitsch uh, until I started watching <laughs> stuff for this. I am a fan of him, I have to say, but I, I hadn't seen as much of his stuff as I thought. I just sure. have seen Friday Night Lights like 100 times. Right. So uh, I was so uh obsessed with that show um and obsessed with him in um even like in high school when i found i think it was like 2008 or something was when i got into it and um i remember in my math class i used to sit and think about friday night lights so much that i would like tally on my notebook how often i was thinking about friday night lights because i was didn't want to be in math class um and that is it's honestly so related to him um sure. i think 
his character in that show is so good and it's such a like looking back now it's phenomenal that he started his career with that essentially Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah so um from then on i watched i watched some of his stuff but it's really it's i'm gonna be referring back to that show a lot because it it all comes back to that for me no and i think look i think me and connor were kind of talking earlier today about him and look i you can't this is a movie podcast but i think these episodes are designed to be different and i think you cannot deny that television is where he thrives i mean and i yeah. think even even in in the year of our lord 2022 you would say even post friday night lights i would yeah. argue some of his best moments are on tv that's not friday night lights right and we can get into those shows right so yeah, that's interesting. And so for me, I liked Friday Night Lights, but I am one of those people, and I value. I don't want you to get upset with me, but I, the season two, the the season two thing, it lost you. It, I really, I really, I got to tell you, I never really came back from it. I <laughs> it really, and it has nothing to do with Tim Riggins, right? It's it's fully, um, Plemons and uh, Pilecki, right? Pat yeah. Pilecki, what, what Pilecki, uh, right? Pilecki, Adrian Pilecki, yeah. Yeah. It's fully there that that fame infamous, uh, boy B plot of that season. I was like, what? How, why is this happening in this show? But I know it. I and I did watch some of season three. I tried to get back into, it, and I know it gets better. But I did love Kitsch from what I saw, and I totally agree with you. Of course, he is the highlight. One thing that's funny is his kind of version of his character from the movie from 04 stars another almost movie star garrett headland <laughs> who we could have done we could, yeah. we could we could do him in a month he's also <laughs> one of these guys which i think is so interesting and he also kind of broke out because of the movie back in, in 04 or whenever that was um connor what do you like do you watch friday night lights what, I, what's your, what's I, your ha- no, I, I have watched it i like i like uh the show quite a bit i didn't watch it when it was on though i was like one of those people who like whenever it was like licensed on netflix or whatever Mm -hmm. is is when i watched it which was probably about the time it was ending i think it was like you know that would have been 2010 or season five 2011 or something five seasons six yeah and then it it went on a weird it was on like the direct tv channel for a second okay yeah um yeah, and I so I watched that all that late. So my intro to Taylor Kitsch was probably um, was probably the dude who gets his dick bit by a snake and snakes on a plane. I can't <laughs> believe you said that because that's obviously was I, is mine I just, too because yeah. I saw that movie in theaters. No, and and it's and you don't necessarily think you know I didn't again I ha- wasn't watching Friday Night Lights so I wasn't like I kind of seen. I wasn't like, oh, that's Tim Riggins or whatever. Yeah. But like, I of I just remember him yelling, "Get off my dick!" Like to a snake, you know, or whatever. So um. now, look. In fairness, Connor, there are look. We all remember where we were when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. <laughs> we all remember where we were when the Challenger went down. We all remember where we were when. 
Uh, Alexander Graham Bell sent the first. <laughs> Did we phone all call. remember any? Of we all, we've all been alive. I don't we're think, all. We, we are all from that movie with Charlize Theron. What is the name of that movie that people like? The old. We're, the old guard. The old guard. We, yeah. we are. We should. Might as well just tell people. Uh, us three. We're we all are members the old, of the old yeah, guard. We so old guard. we That's all true. remember when Genghis Khan conquered <laughs> the Eastern Front. So. Equal to those moments is when Taylor Kitts said, get off my dick and snakes on a plane. We all remember where we were. Um, but no, what's funny, so Kitsch, just for some, um, Valerie, as you mentioned, Friday Night Lights comes very early in his very early in his career. And I'll link to some of what I'm about to reference um, after the fact in the article and on my, my, obviously on my Twitter handle. But so he... is an interesting guy. He um, is Canadian. Mm-hmm. He, Canada's first son. Canada's first son, Taylor Kitsch, he um, literally had to get like bullied into modeling by a guy who saw him on the street. And that kind of spurred the beginnings of a career. And then that feels unsettling. Through, I don't. Well, yeah, I, I mean, don't even know the story behind that, but that seems like. But it's not an uncommon story, right, Valerie? I mean, like this is like he's a very good looking guy. I feel like you hear the story more with women, which unfortunately feels appropriate to our broken society. But it's like somebody goes up to somebody who's beautiful and is like, hey, have you ever thought about modeling? Right. That, that, and, I can confirm that happens at the mall. It's specifically at the mall. I don't know who those people are, <laughs> but they do it. But it is like, you know, like Mandy, like Mandy Moore, like I was just listening to some podcast she was on and like she told, it's not that story, but like she had a similar story of like, getting discovered where it was like she was just singing the somebody heard her you know gave the tape to the an A&R guy like mm-hmm. that stuff does happen i mean it's obviously like you know it's kind of like pie in the sky type stuff but like look if you look like taylor kitsch yeah you know it's like you know that that might happen to you right so anyway yeah i mean impeccable finally, bone structure yeah, he he begrudgingly agrees to be a model. He makes a little bit of cash off of it, right? It's basically like I don't want to say it's Abercrombie Fitch, but it's like in that it's in that arena, right? And then he gets bit roles that in movies that shoot um up in Canada, right? So like the early ones is like he has a one scene moment in John Tucker Must Die, mm-hmm. right? He, he, ha- he hands Britney Snow brownies. I believe that's all he and, does. And but he does one other thing, Valerie. He marvels at Jenny McCarthy's beauty before he gets oh. kicked out of the house. Because <laughs> I did watch that movie, Betty Thomas, great director, and he delivers brownies because they're like new in town. And Britney yeah. Snow is like, thanks. And it's like during a voiceover, Britney Snow is like, I've always been kind of invisible. People always like my mom. And then like Taylor Kitsch hands her, hands her the brownies. And then Jenny McCarthy walks in and Taylor Kitsch is like, oh my gosh, like you're <laughs> so hot. And like pushes Britney Snow aside. And then Britney Snow like pushes him out the door. It's iconic stuff. It's iconic <laughs> Taylor. I loved that movie when it came out. I haven't seen it since, but. <laughs> and you know, funny thing about that movie, it did pretty well. I kind of always thought John Tucker Must Die was like a movie that like nobody saw. And actually, I was wrong. It like for for that type of a movie, its receipts were like actually pretty. Uh, I feel like everybody healthy, I pretty knew. And, I feel like everyone I knew in high school like went to go see it. it was yeah, like, I mean, it was living off the high of Mean Girls, I think, because it was sure. like two years later. It's it it is a lot like Mean Girls. I yeah. mean, it is it is Betty Thomas being asked to just. But look, worldwide, just a hair under seventy million. I'm just saying. 
that's healthy. That is a healthy amount of money for a movie like that. Anyway, snakes on a plane, same year, obviously he gets his dick bitten by a snake who snake, a snake that incidentally is on a plane, which is crazy. Indeed. Um, and he's and, so well, he's so well written in that movie that I watched that part today, actually. And he, uh, <laughs> Wikipedia description, just, I was trying to figure out his backstory and the description just says a man on the plane with his girlfriend. So he has nothing yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're like newlyweds or something, or are they just like, yeah, I don't there's something. I think the first time it shows them they're making out. Like I don't right. think it explains. <laughs> right. Um, and then that same year, he's in a little movie called The Covenant, starring friend of the podcast and past guest, or sorry, directed by friend of the podcast and past guest Rennie Harlan. Um, and this is like a fourth lead role. It's like a healthy booked part, right? Um mm-hmm. he is good in it. Um, I, what what do we think about the covenant? I mean, just did we all watch it? What I do we didn't. Think about the re, I've seen it. I didn't rewatch it for this. And Connor, you went to college with the lead of the film, or to high school with the lead of the film. No, right? I didn't. My oh, so the, okay. if I I could be wrong, I, I in the in the school it might have been like Xavier or something like that. But my high school best friend, his older brother, was in the same class as Stephen Strait. Who is the ostensible lead in of the, the co- covenant? In the covenant, yeah. Valerie, um, what do you think of the covenant, Valerie? So I am not friends with anyone who made this movie, so I feel like maybe <laughs> I, I could be impartial. Let well, Valerie, let Valerie, Valerie, thanks for coming on. You're not a friend with anybody from the covenant, so I'll we'll <laughs> kindly ask you to exit the Zoom. But thank you for your time. Um. So what's wild to me? I watched this whole movie. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, like it's fine. It looks. It looks like. Uh, proto twilight it looks like what the cw makes a bunch of money on now um but it had a four percent on rotten tomatoes and i was insane. like if this, came, if this came out the year after twilight instead of the year before twilight it would be making way more money uh or i mean not money but you know it's because yeah, right. it has a certain it has a certain look to it that i think is just like was probably very annoying but then it got very mainstream right after the movie i agree i think it's it's, it's a movie it's certainly not like I mean, and even Kitsch has a quote um, in one of his interviews where he jokes about he's like he's like someone mentions the covenant he's like that movie didn't win any Oscars isn't that insane like he has like a <laughs> quote like that but like in truth yeah I agree with you it's like yeah it's not I mean it's not Citizen Kane but like in the world of these movies I did find myself being like. Yeah, I mean it's pretty fun. Like it's it's a yeah, it's a got a CW thing going on, which I guess if you release that into theaters, certainly there's a quality control thing that might bother you. And I could see critics walking out of that screening being like, why did they put this in theaters? Right. Just from a sheer like Right. Like why is this direct to DVD movie on my movie screen kind of thing? But but I do but I do think if you think about these actors, you're kind of getting a you're kind of getting a crop. You're kind of getting a nice crop here. Yeah. You're getting Stephen Strait, star of The Expanse, Connor's best friend, as we established. <laughs> You're getting Sebastian Stan, who is good, right? Yeah. I mean, I, we all like The Winter Soldier, right, to varying degrees. Laura Ramsey's done good work. Taylor Kitsch. You get young Jessica Lucas. You get a little Chase Crawford. You get Wendy Crewson playing crazy. We love Wendy Crewson. I'm just saying, it's kind of like you look back and you're like, I did walk away kind of being like, I agree. I was like 4%. I was like, yeah. no. I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine that now. And like, 
I don't know. It also just on a very shallow level, I think a lot of people I know love it. Uh, and I remember in high school people, like even just a couple years later, it was kind of had a, had a bit of a following where people were like, because Sebastian Stan, Chase Crawford, and Taylor Kitsch were all getting a bit famous at that point. Right, like, yeah. Did you know we're all together in this movie where they're really hot and shirtless and witches or something? It's like, like half the movie. It's right. like half the movie is like, hey, so we're hot and we don't die until we get to a certain age and then shit gets a little weird. Um, yeah. Which they never, I, I mean, that never really got clarified for me, I'll be honest. The, 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 the mechanics of the witchcraftery I found to be a bit... Um, confusing we're like yeah well yeah you know like if if you're moral you'll be good if you're in i guess that was what it was like it was like if you're moral you'll handle the witchness but if I you think- suck you will <laughs> be decrepit like steven Strait's dad i guess it was the yeah. idea i don't know why i kept thinking it'd be werewolves and like even after seeing it i'm like this feels like a werewolf movie um I don't right also, well because they're I, all like hot boys right so like been told yeah. it's like a queer classic as well like it's very like there's a lot of like staring there's a lot of like men holding each other back so that they don't do the wrong thing yeah a lot and of shower a lot of showering yeah <laughs> which you know i'm, I'm i like to, to your point that's like why why are we watching this movie anyway and my point to rennie harlan right who we talked with him about a lot of his movies we did not talk to him about the covenant um but say what you will about Rennie Harlan, he is very good at making this type of movie where it's like, I do think he directs to the audience that he perceives will watch the movie. Right. Right. Sure. So now whether or not that is good or bad, you can be the judge, but like he understands the assignment is my point. So I think like if you hire him to direct the covenant, he's like, Oh yeah. You want to like, it's like a teen, whatever. Like, yeah, I know, I know what to do. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, so any, I thought it's, it's was, almost like, it's like, I thought Har- was good in it. It's like Rennie Harlan's lost boys. It's like him try. I, I get exactly. it. Like feels like that kind of thing where he's like, Oh, what if I just get a, what if I did a shoe? What if I did a Schumacher? Yeah, yeah. right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What if I did a Schumacher? And he, and he basically does is my point. Anyway. So that's the covenant. That's his biggest role. Certainly in that early stretch there. Um, sure. Interesting, interesting thing in between the modeling and the, the kind of getting the bigger roles, he is homeless in LA for a time, which he talks about um, where kind of the modeling dried up. He made the choice to go out to LA to um, make something of himself. And I actually think this is before he starts getting the bit roles actually, where he goes out there and just like, doesn't get anything right and like any every friend it just kind of it's a couple weeks then he has to go he's in the car for a minute he's like parking where he won't get kicked out right like all these kind of things yeah and then as i from what i read he retreats back to canada and that's where he gets these roles that then leads to peter berg kind of being told about him right and then Berg championing championing um his being Tim Riggins, which obviously nobody really obviously wanted him to be Tim Riggins, but I think Berg, since he directed the movie, was shepherding was it is it Jason Katums? Yeah. Right. He was like shepherding Katums in the show running, who's running the show, and ultimately like kind of coached taylor kitsch to sound more southern because obviously he's a canadian and ultimately obviously gets the role and the rest is obviously history um and then of course 
where the almost movie star thing comes in is it's lightning success. And then it's this thing that happens. And we talked, it's like very similar to Hartnet. It's very similar to Garrett Hedlund, who we mentioned earlier. He makes a couple of little movies. He makes a movie called Gospel Hill, where he actually, his co-lead or his co-romantic, like third lead is Julia Stiles. And we're back. And they have, and I'll say, not a great movie, but they have good chemistry actually in the movie. Um, and um, his first big Hollywood role is playing Gambit in X Men Origins Wolverine, which is kind of a famously, you know, not very good debacle type of a movie, right? But I feel like, unless I'm misremembering Connor Valley, like. I remember him getting okay notices as, yeah, as Gambit. Am I yeah, right about that? I I don't recall exactly. I do remember. Um, I remember. I remember liking him as Gambit. Yeah, I remember thinking he was fine. It was more of a like a. I don't know if he got good notices, but it was also one of those like any bad notices he got were probably just wrapped up in like the general what you know hatred towards the the movie. Right or or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, a kind of an infamous superhero movie at this yeah, point. Yeah, like, and and I, I feel like also like I feel like as it pertains to X Men, I feel like Gambit is one of those characters that has like such such a strong fan base in particular that like I feel like anybody who plays Gambit just isn't going to win. You know, like I don't know, like. And so the the three movies, just to kind of get us to the end of Friday Night Lights and really th- the year where it all kind of comes and goes, right? Mm-hmm. 2012. Yeah. Um, he makes Gospel Hill, X-Men Origins Wolverine, and The Bang Bang Club are like the movies he makes. Which I during- watched for this. Yeah, yeah, which I, yeah. I kind of we'll yeah, I want to. Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of. It's wanna. got anyway, some stuff, I, you know. <laughs> I think it's kind of an interesting movie. Um, yeah. I'm a pretty easy lay for uh, war photojournalist movie. Like if you're if you're taking photos in a war, I'm probably gonna. Well, like we t- like we mentioned on the Gene Hackman episode, Under Fire, uh, Under Fire. Like, yeah, Colin Farrell made a movie that nobody saw. That's uh, I think very underrated called Triage, where he's a war photographer. Like, if you if you play a war photographer, like chances are you got a friend in me. Anyway, um, so these are the, the three. Those are the three movies he makes on the hiatus every season. The, his like the latter seasons of Friday Night Lights, and Friday Night Lights ends in 2011. And then obviously 2012 is the John Carter Battleship Savages year, which we will get to. Now, yeah. let me ask the Bang Bang Club. Did we watch? What did we think? Valerie, did you watch it? What did you think? I did watch it. I uh, I did like it. I expected to, uh, and I saw some reviews that said that it didn't engage with the the ethics of, of photojournalism as much as people wanted it to. I thought it did a ton, and yeah. I really enjoyed that. Um, I, at the beginning, was very wary of the movie because I was like, oh, really? Like, we're making a movie about these four guys? Yeah. You want, you know? uh, but um, I think what, I, what I'm what i learning, having just, like, mainlined a bunch of Taylor Kitsch movies recently, is I, uh, I like, I think he's very good at tragedy. I think he's mm-hmm. very good at things, things that are based on real life. Um, I think his first, his first, he's very lucky that he started with Friday Night Lights along with the I'm Just a Hot Guy roles because that one had a lot of tragedy tied in. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, 
think I liked the Bang Bang Club. I, I wouldn't have thought it out if not for him, but um, I was into it. Agree. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think it's 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 more nuanced. <clears throat> and look, another almost movie star, Ryan Phillippe. Sure. I don't want to den- I don't right. want to denigrate <laughs> Ryan Antitrust Phillippe. Ryan Cruel Intentions Phillippe. Okay. But when you MacGruber, see a movie Phillippe. Yes, very good in that. Very good. But when you see a movie that premiered at TIFF and kind of didn't get much after um starring Ryan Phillippe in the year of our Lord 2010, I do think there unfortunately you have that thought of like, oh, okay, like what are we talking about here? And I think it's a bit of a shame because like you're saying, Valerie. There's far more nuance and and kind of introspection in this group of photojournalists who call themselves the Bang Bang Club, right? And it's obviously, like you said, based on a true story. It is a Canadian co-production, which makes sense. And it's based on the book, The Bang Bang Club, Snapshots from a Hidden War, co-written by two of the guys who are part of the group, right? Mm-hmm. And there were these four photographers, Um And they basically were in South Africa kind of really when apartheid was coming apart, right? So the movie does wrestle with like the racial element at at hand, the uh, objective objective slash subjective nature, right? The, the, The thing that all these movies deal with in terms of just like morality in the world of like do you intervene right you're not meant to intervene right right? like a movie like like how far does your responsibility go as a photographer or whatever yeah and like just the the journal you know the integrity integrity of journalism and the moral implications of that and all this stuff and if i'm i did not re i I did not re-watch the movie for this but am i it kitsch is the one who cares right there, he has like a moment. There's a scene, I believe. Uh, or am I on, misremembering? Is that not what he it is? he has like a moment? He I think is the first one of them to like really kind of call like it unravel out. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he's also he's a he's an addict in the movie. Is like another right, 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 thing right. to his character. And I they don't really I don't know. And maybe you remember Valerie. I don't know if they actually connect. Like if him being an addict and his feelings or you know conflicted feelings towards what they do if those are actually tied together but i feel like the movie seems to sort of imply that that yeah so um in so i mean this is i can't be a spoiler because it's real life but the character he's based or the person he's based on committed suicide um and that does happen in the movie but it's like a very quiet scene um at the very end um and yeah, it's very, I think the problem maybe people had with it is that it doesn't explicitly tie these things together. It's showing that like, it'll show them take pictures of people dying and then go party. Um, and it doesn't really try to do that much to get you to think about it. But those two things being shown back to back is enough to make you think about sure. it, right? So, um, and he's the one who takes the photo of um, the, the child and it wins a Pulitzer. Um, there's a child being stalked by a uh, like a vulture. buzzard or a vulture yeah. or something. Uh, yeah. And so everyone, he, he kind of comes under fire because people are like, did you help the kid after, you know? And, and he hadn't thought about that, which probably tied into his addiction too. But, um, I don't know how much that, re- that reflects reality. Oh my God. I'm, I'm just, I just, I'm like looking at the real photo right now. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a crazy, it's, really it's a crazy photo. <laughs> it's a really, it's a really, it's like, movie. 
think about like i I don't know people let me just say people throw the word harrowing around (laughs) you know we toss words around let me just say i'm as guilty as the next guy this shit's harrowing i'm just i wish i i almost wish i had not clicked on it anyway yeah the Bang Bang Club is certainly underrated, underseen. He's good in it. And I think you're right. And let's take a minute here because we and Connor like doing this. Um, what is it about Kitsch, right? Before we get into the year, the, you know, the agony and the ecstasy of 2012, what is <laughs> what is the thing about Kitsch, right? So, like, for example, Valerie, like, when we talk about Keanu Reeves a million years ago, we did a B-side. We talked about how a thing about Keanu is the kindness, right? The thing about Keanu, even in his most you know, vacant or his most, you know, manipulative. He's playing like, you know, Don, Don John in, uh, in, you know, in Much Ado or something. There is an inherent kindness behind any scenario that like informs what it is we respond to as a moviegoer, right? Like, and kindness is different than goodness, right? Tom Hanks, you would say there's a Jimmy Stewart, like goodness to him, like a moral, you know, a right. moral center that you cannot really, um, like a can do no wrong you know, kind like of like Harrison yeah. Ford. We talked about like Harrison Ford. You could say like there's a sardonic nature about him, right? Where you feel like he knows what's going on, no matter what's happening, and like that that is an aid to like you know Kevin Costner. We talked about like him being like Gary Cooper, where there's a, like an inherent Americanism, right? So all that to say, Kitsch. I think you were kind of getting at it earlier. I think the thing about him is that face it hangs right like he has this beautiful face but in the moments of tragedy and like attempts at fortitude like his his breaking down to whatever degree he does is incredibly um you know effective he right? also I, I mean what do you yeah go right. when are you guys going yeah. i was just gonna say he also had i mean like in his eyes He's just got like an those fucking eyes, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. But he also, it's like in a way that he looks like someone who hasn't slept in like seven weeks or whatever, you know. Like, and I think that he can he can disengage in his eyes somehow, you know. You can see him, yeah. And maybe, and and that's an interesting comment. Maybe that's what hurts him as a movie star, probably because I think like when you think about like a Tom Cruise, it's the exact opposite, right? Because Cruise is so wired that no matter what you feel like he's so locked in. Sure. So like if, if you're on the ride with him and obviously that puts a lot of people off. So I'm not saying it, it, it doesn't have to be positive. I'm saying, you know, we're big fans of Cruz and whatever, but like whether or not, whether or not you respond to that negatively or positively, the truth is there where it's like when he's locked in, you're like, Whoa, like, okay. Like, yeah, this, there's like an intent. Some, something's like a, happening. Yeah. Right there's now. like an intensity that can. Yeah. And to your point, maybe maybe in Kitsch's more laconic moments, the, maybe maybe the eyes dim a bit too much for the big screen. I'm I'm, I'm kind of I'm reaching it. I'm reaching it. I'm kind of grasping at straws here. But it's a that's an interesting comment. He, I, I wonder. He's yeah. just got big. I feel like he's just got big. You know, I, I can fix him. Energy, right? Like yeah. that's right. Yeah. Like that's his whole. That's Tim Riggins, <laughs> right? Straight through, like. And he's just, he's just a, you know, he's a big sad boy. Like I have a, I have a theory for why, for what, what makes him work. And I have a theory for why he isn't a star. Go, They're different. Go, so go, I'll, no, I'll please, go the, please. I'll go with the first one. So, um, I, 
there's an episode of Friday Night Lights and it's called Crossing the Line, not to get too deep into it right now, but it's the first big episode that's kind of all about uh, his character. And um, if you haven't seen the show, he's like, I feel like he's equivalent to how uh, like people treat him the way the principal treats John Bender in The Breakfast Club. Like sure, everyone yes. is, you're a piece of shit. It's your life is going to suck. You know, he just has that happening. So that's basically what happens in that episode. He starts the episode. He just had a big game. He's trying to get sober. He, and it's this episode's written by a playwright. I got her name's Bridget Carpenter. I wrote this down because I love this episode so much. Um, but um, he, it's so clever because at the beginning, he's getting all these vegetables at the grocery store to try to get healthy. And then throughout the course of the episode, he loses his best friend, loses his girlfriend, his brother beats him up. And then at the end of the episode, he picks up a beer again, starts drinking and puts the vegetables on his eye because he's uh, been in a fight. Um, and so it's like a perfect tragedy. Um, and I think that he- That's, um, you know, That sounds like a playwright wrote that episode. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I think that he, everything he does, um, it, which is interesting because I feel like this is kind of how maybe we feel about him as an actor as well, but- um, he does a great job when he's a character who's like trying to reach a certain potential, mm -hmm. maybe being underestimated um, or misunderstood, something like that. Um, and I think that is tied to his looks as well. It, it, it um, like, it's easy to typecast him as just like a beautiful person. So, um, well, yeah. so yeah, we, so that, that, that's a great, that's a now, great now point. I want to hear, I want to hear, yeah. uh, uh, let's, let's, let's put a bookmark in it. Cause I want to hear, more about why you think it doesn't work as a movie star, but we'll get into that with the next year. That's kids. what I'm saying. Just to put a pin in it, because <laughs> we have been talking, we talked about Paul Newman recently. We've been talking about some other actors and James Dean has come up a couple of times. And I think it's interesting because Kitsch has a bit of Dean in him. Yeah, sure. But we live in a different time where the James Dean thing is not in vogue the same way it was in the 50s and 60s. So it make, watching his movies, I did have that thought of like, you know, he's a little bit of a man at a time in terms of the movie star because that's not that's not the performer. Like, because when Dean was, when those three movies came out, he was the biggest star in the world. And it was because he was doing that thing better than anybody else could do that thing. He reminds me a little bit more of like a like a Montgomery Clift a little bit. But Cl but Clift Sa same kind of same kind it's of thing. similar yeah, thing. Yeah, tortured yeah. tortured beautiful people, right? Yeah, and yeah. like Cliff did it as good as anybody and then obviously his own life was so tortured, right? And so yeah, that's a great also a great comparison. And so my point is just like it feels a little bit of that too. Like he, he feels a little bit lost in like in in where he is in his in the availability of projects and like what he can even take. Cause even sticking to TV true detective season two, as, as maligned as it is, his character. Wow. Yeah. Is so good. Like yeah. I would, I would put that performance, um, in easily in his top five of sure. his career. Cause it's so, it's so tortured. He's so doomed. Like the minute you meet this guy, you're like, there's a he's got a million skeletons in his closet. He, you know, he's closeted to some degree, right? In in more than one way, right? He's inherently good in this inherently evil city, LA. Like he my man has no chance, right? It's just he is a <laughs> lost soul, right? 
and it's a beautiful performance because like you're saying valerie it's like that's the perfect like you're like oh man taylor dude this is so bad for you dude I don't, <laughs> I, I, there's no way out man. like there's i want no i want you to make it but i don't th- i just don't <laughs> think it's gonna happen pal <laughs> You're never, so, gonna eat, yeah. you're never gonna eat the bag of peas. It's always gonna be on your black eye. <laughs> yeah, the peas will always be there yeah. for you, but not the way you want them to be. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah. Anyway, that brings up another kind of TV show a few years later, where I think he he it does excel. Um, and so, yeah, let's get into 2012. All right. So, like many actors before him, hot commodities that they are, his hit TV show ends and. His people and people all over the industry are like, hey, man, let's do it. Like, you're the guy. Let's make it happen. Yeah. And in one year, he makes three pretty different movies. Um, um, what a Mitten, triple like, feature. What a, tri- it's just such what a, a triple crazy, bill these three movies are. It's like, it's such a crazy <laughs> year. Like, and just to, and this, none of them succeed. It's just like, you're just like, I just, anyway. I don't really mean to laugh, but it is, yeah, it is no, just it's like. No, I mean, what can you say? Yeah. So John Carter, oh, sorry, go ahead, Valerie. I was just going to say, if you asked me to pick the wildest three things on hit, well, other than Snakes on a Plane, it'd be these three, and they were all in the same year, so. Yeah. Exactly, no, exactly. So John Carter, right, um, Andrew Stanton's uh, um, live-action debut, Disney, right, John Carter of Mars, based on the Edgar Rice Burroughs, right, literally the text that is the inspiration for every single thing that you like right hey you like star wars john carter of mars hey you like indiana jones the serials that indiana jones are based on were based on john carter of mars and if they weren't based on john carter of mars they're based on the other thing Edgar rice burroughs wrote which was tarzan right. so like you know the the source text the source code for like all the nerd shit Every yeah. <laughs> fucking thing that the uh, they only make now, other than any other thing, is right. John Carter Mars, and yeah. that was their sell. They were like, "Oh, bef- you know, like this is the thing." Andrew Stan was, you know, telling anybody who would listen, like, "Hey, you know, this was the first one." And let me just say, like, I was excited about this movie. I read *A Princess of Mars*, and it's great. Like, let me just say, like, if you if if you have a stomach for that type of writing, that can be obviously a little backward in some of its kind of you know, larger views about imperialism and nativism and all these things. Certainly, yes, that's certainly something to be aware of. But as entertainment with that caveat of the past and everything that comes with it, incredibly well-realized stories. Let me just say that. And so Stan, you know, Disney says, make this movie. He makes it. Um, There are reshoots. It's a bit of a production. You have... You have Kitsch, you have Lynn Collins playing the Princess of Mars. Uh, you have a stat cast. You have state-of-the-art Oh, they were both effects. in Wolverine together. They're I'm both like in Wolverine. Just she's, that together. She's, I, I want to say she's Kayla Silverfox. Yeah, that is her that name, her name in yeah. that film. Mm-hmm. I, I like Lynn Collins. I think she got a raw deal as well. And actually, she got a rawer deal than anyone, actually. Yeah. And she, if Who you wrote, read there's that. The, there's that great I'm gonna piece. Link, I'm going to yeah. link that. The rap did, the rap did like a 10-year thing about John Carter that I'll link to as well, which is interesting. They talked to Lynn Collins, and she basically says, like, yeah, for like two years, she basically had to not work. Like, her agents literally said to her, like, look, man, you, you, you got to not work for a couple of years, like, because this is so bad. Which is like, if it doesn't speak to the misogyny inherent in this industry, I can't even begin like that they just like blamed it on Lynn Collins, who is great in John Carter. Let, let yeah, me just say, yeah. he's great in the movie. Anyway, 
John Carter comes out. There's a million things that happened before it. Like it's tracking bad. There's a bad New York New Yorker profile that I reread, which is just bad. It's like Taylor Kitsch is like, people think it's going to be a bomb. It's like, Taylor, why would you say it? <laughs> right. And he's young and whatever. And so all these things. Movie comes out, it underperforms. It's like, you like know. Like biblically underperforms. It is, like, it is, yeah. it is a staple of unsuccess. I mean, it is a. I mean, is it our generation's Heaven's Gate? I mean, look, it's it's a cutthroat island. Yeah, it's right. an Ishtar. It's a Heaven's Gate. It's you know, it is a Mars needs moms. It's well, it's not and, good. and the thing about the the Mars needs moms thing is worth bringing up because it is what leads them. That's kind of why they changed the title. Yeah, right. directly to change the title, which is the dumbest fucking decision on the planet. But it's like, but it's but it's it's classic Hollywood. No, no, no. Right, right, right. And I think I've said this before on the show. It just anytime I watch that movie, which I don't know if you meant we like this movie a lot. Right. (laughs) Yeah. John Um, Carter, let me just say now, I want to hear what you say, uh, what you think about John Carter. But I am a big fan of it. I think it's incredibly underrated. I think it's winning and I think it's old fashioned. Sure. And I think Kitsch is not great in the film, but I think he's good. I think Lynn Collins is great. And I think like Dominic West is great. I think Willem Dafoe is like arguably Oscar worthy. Probably the best part of the movie. The mocap thing he's doing. Anyway, so that's where we stand. But um, Valerie, what what did you think about John Carter? Did you see it before? Did you watch it for this? What did you think? Okay. uh, If Taylor Kitsch is listening to this podcast, I'm so sorry. Um, I went to a double feature of Avengers and John Carter at the drive-in when it came out and I left before John Carter. (laughs) Iconic. (laughs) Iconic move. (laughs) So my love had faded by that point, I guess, Um, or it was just too late at night. But um, I watched it recently and I liked it. I think that for me, uh, and this gets to the root of what I think is his uh, problem when he tries to do big stuff, is yeah. it, it, the timing, the timing of the movie. It, it has Avatar elements, like after Avatar. It, yeah. To me, it felt like, and I don't know if anyone else has this type of like nostalgic memory, um, when you're watching a movie on FX channel and it takes like four hours to get through it. Sure, um, and yeah, it's, yeah. You know, like all of those movies, it's like the first X-Men or Hellboy or something like that. Right. It, it feels uh, in line with that, but obviously with better special effects. Um, so it just seemed like it was right on the cusp of when people were not wanting uh, big, ambitious, colorful, sci-fi, fantasy type. You know, it, it has elements that would have been really cool in like 2006. And I think it, for some reason, didn't hit. Yeah. No, it's, it's incredibly... Well said. Yeah. And I think that dovetails with like kind of his I mean, we're all kind of saying it like his general timing. I don't think I mentioned this to you, Dan, off mic the other day, but like I don't actually know if there's another actor who so who's like such a poster child for the pivot in mainstream media to like from movies to like bingeable tv slash like oh you wrote this two-hour script cool can we make that an eight episode miniseries like that i feel like his career is wrapped up in that whole broader pivot that like that media makes right and so in a weird way yeah he he is just one of the and even the attempt to make him a star right like it, it feels like that. Yeah, it's no, like, 100 It feels like the last time anyone's ever going to attempt that, right? Like, where you almost. just go like, oh, you should have just not even done it this way. 
right like because, like like because they're not putting him i mean i guess battleship would be the now let me just say battleship <laughs> okay he's bad at battleship he is okay he is. i just he still I, fits the he still fits what do you, Val, you just you disagree what do you think I think that Battleship seems like it either had no editor or like ten editors. I don't oh, know what's yeah. in that movie. So yeah. I Val, she- you I gotta say, Val, you dropping lines. <laughs> yeah. Like very tweetable, clippable lines. That's exactly right. That yeah, is exactly what it feels like. like. There would be scenes where it was him and Rihanna talking or Jesse Plemons or whoever, and I was like, I don't even understand like what they're supposed to I don't know. Like it's almost incomprehensible when people are just talking mm-hmm. to each other in the movie. So it's so he, crazy. It's so, so he, crazy. He's yeah. bad, but like clearly something else went wrong, you know? <laughs> now, look, so so yeah, so okay, so John Carter comes out, doesn't do well. Months later, literally, like like Two months later, right? Battle, Battleship comes out, and they look—they were bullish on Battleship. Okay, if they—if Disney was clearly running away from John Carter, which which was true, right? Like by the time John Carter came out, nobody thought it was going to do well. It was—it was kind of a curse thing. So Disney kind of was like giving its all, but really like bracing for impact, right? A little bit. That Battleship—that was not what it was like like i think it was universal right they were like this fucking movie is gonna be a hit we got the true blood guy skarsgård we got rihanna up and coming musician we got the friday night lights guy right it was like they had all yeah. these guys peter burke she's not has, even up and coming at that point right so say, she's like yeah, oh, hip, yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah, like a right, full-on hit full, maker at that full point pop star, full yeah pop star. yeah, yeah. yeah. I I I I guess I'm saying up and coming because now she's like approaching Beyonce status, yeah. right? Like, sure. So it's almost like she's ascended for further, yeah. Um, which I think is interesting. Um, so point being, they were bullish on the film to the point where the the movie ends with like, "Hey, stay tuned, guys. Right. There's an alien that's still alive. Get ready, Battleship Two. Like very <laughs> bullish. Like just like yeah, get ready for two guys. This is gonna be a monster. <laughs> Liam Neeson. They have like just putting in like a Sunday work, just like because he's like <laughs> he just made Taken. They're like yeah, fucking give yeah. him a few million. He can like say two lines. They're like yeah, right. And he just like does not work. Like Peter Berg literally seems out of his element. Like he seems like it's too much movie for him. Right. It's like you like you're saying. It's like. The effects are muddy. The editing is janky, right? Which is half of his style. But what's weird is the next year, Lone Survivor comes out, which kitches in, which is a huge hit. And Kitsch is the best part of the movie. And it's not even close. Taylor Kitsch is great in that movie. Whether or not you like Lone Survivor, it's I, a well-made movie. It's like and the I action think Lone, is well-directed. So I think it's Lone so Survivor weird. is where he starts yeah. to find his pocket, too. Like You mean, you mean Kitsch, though? Yeah, yeah. But even Berg, you feel like even for, for for whatever you think of Berg, it seems like Berg also finds his pocket. And that's, like, well, that's because it's is weird. That, it's am like, I wrong? Is that not where Berg finds Wahlberg? Wahlberg? Right, oh, yeah, which is like oh. that's the beginning of the beautiful oh, that's friendship the beginning for them. Of, oh, you mean yeah. of our of our most impressive? <laughs> and, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> our most enduring the, directors, movie star duo. <laughs> duo? Um, no, but I, it's, it is interesting. Cause like battleship is the only one in that, in that 2012 year that like is IP. Right. So it's an inch. It, well, all, all of it. Well, John okay, Carter. no, but like, I guess my point is John Carter is like 
and and I understand its obvious influence, but like it's an esoteric IP, right? Like it's not like it doesn't really count. Yeah, right, right. right. So my point is, is like I I think he is the like like I was saying before, I think he is one of the last people to get that movie star shot in a way that even coming, you know, even when you look at, say, like the various Chris's or whatever, right, like they are they're in a different group because they're not getting shots on a John Carter. It's like, oh, we want you to be Jack Ryan. We want you to be. Like even outside of their Marvel movies, it's like, oh no, okay, we're just gonna plop you in Jurassic Park. Yeah, they're right? like, like they're fitting into an into a broad, thing. yeah, yeah, and that's how they're tracking whatever their movie star trajectory or whatever, right? And he's like the last one where where I feel like they were kind of like, oh, is the person the thing or is the thing the thing? And then yeah. like a battle, and then Battleship. The answer is neither. Right, but like, <laughs> but well, just to be clear, Battleship is is also not a success. Yeah, it's not as fully a flop as John Carter, but it's certainly a disappointment. Um, like we said, it's also just not a strong picture. Um, it's just a mess. Like, there's the whole third act uh, is just. I mean, <laughs> is is borderline insulting. Like, I it, it's like it's like. The, the the decisions they make with veterans and it's obviously meant to be honoring but it f- feels pedantic and patronizing to me it's just the whole thing is very like off-putting i didn't like any of that and like so that all happens <laughs> and then the third the third movie which does the best in terms of like budget to profit margin, yeah i was gonna say it has the least at stake too in that regard yeah um is an oliver stone picture uh, based on a Don Winslow book, which I have read, and I did enjoy the book, I will say. Um, though Winslow is an interesting writer. Um, he, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But but um, he writes he writes novels that I would think, as the years go on, you would maybe be like, ah, uh, okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, so. <laughs> It's like a very Oliver Stone movie. It's Savages is the name of the movie. It's you got you got Taylor Kitsch, you got Aaron Taylor Johnson, and you got Blake Lively. Such now, a fucking timepiece of Valerie, a tri- of a did, trio. I know. It was yeah. Such a moment. Yeah. Valerie, I did see on your I see I did see on your Twitter. I you did not care for this movie, Savages, right? Yeah, Am I right but, on that? Yeah. So I will say I'm not super well versed in Oliver Stone movies. I realized uh, I thought I had seen more than I had, and then I checked today and on my letterbox and I have not so maybe I just maybe he's an acquired taste but I this is my least favorite Taylor Kitsch movie I I hated it (laughs) and it's not not to do with his performance or even really any performance just the way maybe the writing was the worst part like the idea that they're like Blake Lively's the narrator maybe she's the main character and then she gets kidnapped just like the narration the, the narration is the worst part of the movie like no and let me say this yeah. a lot of that narration is directly from the book right like so right. When, when she says like you know um i have orgasms he has orgasms, orgasms. that's from the book from directly that's from the book horrendous yeah i think it's it, and it's politics are very weird too like it's very weird that the, the politics character, are weird the character taylor kitsch plays chon will utter the most random racist or bigoted lines and then like not it's i don't know like i have no idea yeah. where they like leave us with it in a way where we're like what are we supposed to do with this line like it doesn't well, really give you and look and this brings it back to the timing thing that you guys are talking about 
Savage is not unlike John Carter, right? And I guess Battleship's kind of more of a curio and like that's not a timing thing. It's just more like like they just made a bad movie. That Battleship feels like a that feels like a harbinger of the future. Right. right. <laughs> like when you yeah. look back at it. Right. But like, but Savage is not unlike John Carter in a different way, obviously, is like somebody gave Oliver Stone a budget and was like, you know what, Ollie, like maybe you got one more in you. Right. Like, yeah, like and give, that was, give us another natural born killer. Like Universal like distributed it relative relativity, rel- relativity produced it. Right. So, um, wow. Universal got crushed by kitsch that year um but <laughs> or or vice versa or vice versa yeah probably more, right. probably, probably more vice versa i was anyway. gonna say that, yeah so it's like they're giving ollie stone a proper budget and they're like yo make natural born killers you know how you made natural born killers and that was a hit and it was controversial it's 20 years later try it again see what happens and it's just that not the right time right like i'll be honest i don't mind savages i like the book fine i like the movie fine I, kitsch is the best part of the movie i'm gonna be saying that a lot on this podcast i think he is a talented actor i don't know I if like, i agree with that here i think really? he's I th- no i think he's good in the movie but i i think the thing that saves well you get you get some great the I guess supporting I mean the lead, performances i guess i mean the, the lead the leading performances yes, he's yeah, you the get, best of the three you get leads. kind of a great pathetic travolta yeah. You you get a pretty fun villain in Salma Hayek, right? Yeah. And you um, get a fucking unhinged uh fucking gross Benicio, Benicio, Benicio del Toro. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. but Valerie, to your point, it's a very ugly movie, right? There's a rape scene that's very tough Oof. to even like just handle. Like and I forgot about it. Like rewatching it, I was like, oh right. That's tough. Like just that even being in the movie, I, I anyway. So you get stuff like that, right? You get incredibly brutal scenes, and Chan, who's Kitch, is a a vet. He's an ex-soldier who like is a killer, right? And he's very much like, you know, the basic premise is him and Ben, who's Taylor Johnson. They sell, you know, the best weed on the West Coast. Everybody loves their weed, and event they're looking to get out the cartels encroach they're like yo so we want your weed and also like you can't get out because like you you have a you have a infrastructure north of the border that we'd love to utilize so like here's an offer take it they're basically like no you don't want to take it we're going to get out can we just sell it to you they're like no no no, asshole like you got to keep the whole point is you have a cover, right? So like yeah. you can't get out, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. And so they basically hem and haul. They decide they're going to run away. Big mistake, right? And obviously they're being watched. The cartel kidnaps Ophelia, who is Blake Lively. And then the rest of the movie is them trying to engineer a way to subvert the cartel in order to rescue Blake Lively from these horrible people, right? So Chan is the guy who's like, yo, these are... Sav- these people are savages, right? That's what he's saying. He's like, kill or be killed. We got to be brutal. And Ben is like, peace oh, and love. I got dreadlocks. I love weed and peace. <laughs> and I also love love. And that's my whole deal. And I I was in Nowhere Boy. And I was young John Lennon. And also I was the Flash. What was his name in that? What was his character? Fla- oh, he was. Uh, yeah, he was Quicksilver. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No I'm kidding. Anyway, but but so but but anyway, so 
I like that dynamic. And I do like Kitsch. And I believe, to your point, Connor, he finds a pocket here that he extends to Lone Survivor where it's like, and only the Brave also, actually, where yeah. he's good He's good at being like, hey, I can be hard, I can be tough, but I also acknowledge that a lot of this is fucked up and I'm not okay with it, right? And I think with yeah. Sean, you get a little bit of that. It kind of expands in better later movies. He's this is like This is like him kind of doing like a Bud White. A little like bit. A, like it's kind of it's a very like L.A. confidentially and kind Don, of And Don thing. Winslow writes like James Elroy, yeah, right? It's, it's a little similar. It's like it's kind of like whiskey, you know, wh- you know, whiskey without ice type of shit. Right? Yeah, it's like yeah, very sure. kind of like cool. We get it. You write hard. That's cool. 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 You know, so so and the movie is the movie, right? Like, Valerie, I totally get it. You're kind of like, this is stupid, right? Like, yeah. like I think, it, if, it, I think yeah. if it had. I don't know. There's like a Venn diagram of different things I can handle a little bit of. So like the formal elements, not a super big fan. The writing, not a super big fan. The politics, not a super big fan. So it all just adds up to not great. Yeah, I it's love... like a perfect storm of insufferable a little bit. Yeah, if you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I like it okay, but I totally... Well, to your point... Yeah, I it's understand your, it's all that. And to your point, I think the movie... And this is a very... Look, I've seen... I think I've seen every Oliver Stone movie. And I, this is very much in his wheelhouse. I think Oliver Stone thinks what he's saying is what Don Winslow is definitely saying in the book, which is, hey, actually, the real savages are us. Yeah. But, Whoa. but, but to your point, and rewatching the movie, I did have this thought. I was like, you're not really saying that. Yeah. Like, right. you're kind of like a little saying that, but the ending certainly suggests. You're not really saying that, right. you know, and, and the whole you're like the you're whole... kind of like Clinton liberal saying it. You're kind of being like, <laughs> we're gonna get rid of student debt, saying that, but like really, you're not gonna get rid of it. But you're gonna say it, and it's like it's true in the way that like other non-true things are true. You know, you're like, okay, okay, not really, okay. Vote for me in 2022, okay. Anyway. That I, yeah. I I think that's why. Um, I think that's why the Travolta performance, I think, is, is is the reason to watch the movie. It's a great performance. It's a great performance. Because he's yeah. the only character that gets that aspect across. I totally agree. Um, I totally agree. And yeah. he, I think it's also sort of just nice because it's like, he just, he's you know, good. He, he's being good. Yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah. And it just, it feels like he's been out in the cold so long with that kind of stuff that like, I remember even watching this and feeling happy for him specifically. Like, oh, look at you having like a like handful working, of... working with a good director. Yeah, and he has like yeah. a really good... There's a yeah. scene in a kitchen with him and Benicio. Benicio near the end of the movie. And it's one of the better scenes in the movie. Oh, yeah. And they just have a really good sort of tete-a-tete, whatever. Well, and it's and, and look, and, and look, this is this is the best part of Oliver Stone. It does the thing that he can do well. Which is like Tarantino also does this, whatever. Where like the scene starts in in your head, you're like, oh, I see what's gonna happen, and then that doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. And the entertainment of that is worth a thousand marvels, right? Where it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. oh, it's like they're talking about another thing, and they're just this is like a whole different thing that I thought it was gonna be, and that's really nice. And unfortunately, not enough of the movie does that, right? And I think. 
Yeah, you just see the end of 2012 being kind of an underperforming, kind of a little bit too little, too late Oliver Stone movie, a misplaced board game adaptation that doesn't make enough money, and a good, impressive blockbuster that unfortunately nobody cares about. Even you just describing those three movies back to back is just (laughs) fucking... (laughs) <laughs> and even like you know what I, you know what I always think of with John Carter. Do you remember when Tristan and Isolde came out like in 04? You remember mm-hmm. that movie yeah. with James Franco? So the way they sold that movie, I don't know if you remember. The tagline literally was cuz Tristan and Isolde, right? I believe is a Scottish tale. And it's Romeo and Juliet, right? But like a lot of those tales, it's obviously it was told before Romeo and Juliet and like a lot of what Shakespeare did these stories existed in the parlance, right? And he took the stories, not unlike the Northmen currently in theaters, right? And he was like, oh, that's a good story. What if I put a little spin on it, a little ambic pentameter, a little bit of this, and then that'll be the iconic one, right? That's what he did a lot of the time, like a lot of people. The way they sold Tristan and Isolde was their, their tagline was, before Romeo and Juliet, there was Tristan and Isolde. And the movie was not a hit. And I always think about that where it's like, it's an interesting strategy, but the truth is, unfortunately, not unlike John Carter, people don't care, right? Like, yeah. you're like hey, a, do you know, before Romeo and Juliet, there was Tristan and There's Isolde, a lot of like, what sure, people will say to you is like, sure, okay, grandma, okay, let's get you to bed. Like that. Kind there's of Romeo like, and Juliet, right? So like, yeah. why do I care yeah. about Tristan and Isolde? Yeah. You know, yeah. So I think that's what happened with John Carter. Anyway, what's nice about it is it's a, it's a tough year. Right, he has to reset. He plays a supporting role in Lone Survivor. It's a huge hit. He's very good in it. It's also based on a true story. Valerie, to your theory, another true story. Obviously, politically, Lone Survivor. Understandably, you can your mileage may vary. Um, I do, in the world of these movies, I do like Lone Survivor a little bit. I think Kitch's empathetic turn is kind of the saving grace of the movie um uh and so i'll just say that we don't need to spend too much time on survivor it's it's a hit this same year he makes a movie i really like a lot and it's a canadian movie and i don't know if we all watched it i did yeah i did it's definitely a top fiver for me in terms of kitsch it's the great canadian don mckellar directed uh, you know, Connor, we we talked about a movie he co-wrote a long time ago, a little movie called The Red Violin. Oh, okay. Don McKellar, great Canadian artist. He also co-wrote uh, 32 short films about Glenn Gould. He's made a lot of things. Uh, very good actor. Anyway, Don McKellar directs this movie. It's called The Grand Seduction. It's basically like Don McKellar doing local hero. Right? Like, he's, basic, yeah. he's basically making a Bill Forsyth movie. Right. You know, as much as he can. Englishman who went up a hill came down. It's like that. Exactly Very much like that. that kind of. Uh, and vibe. I, I, I got to tell you, I watched the first half right before we started recording. I watched it when it came out. Um, charmed, charmed, charmed nine years ago. Charmed again. Uh, Kitsch is great. He's very funny. The whole introductory scene where he gets so he's a doctor and he's. <laughs> trying to make a connecting flight but it's an international like connection in a shitty airport and he gets tagged to get searched and 
he's got cocaine on him and his reaction to when he gets found out where he like he covers the cocaine he's like okay that's cocaine he's like that's cocaine that's cocaine like and he like (laughs) those big eyes like like, as if he just keeps repeating it like it's gonna uh, like be untrue you know what i mean like dude it's so funny yeah i i watched this as well and i i like the movie well enough i'm never like a huge like small town heart movie person but um I that scene was amazing. It's almost like a monologue because he's switching. <laughs> like when he starts talking about Jimmy and how Jimmy might not have a leg if he yeah. can't get through security. Like it's it's so great good. comedy. It's yeah. great and comedy. Yeah, and he's like offering to give uh, the TSA agent's wife uh, breast augmentation surgery for free, and it's it's really good. And what does he say? That... What's his? Sorry, what's his? <laughs> he has that great because he's talking about like yeah, like or giving her like a like a, a like a like a like a like a lift like to her butt. And he, and he's like, oh, I could lift it up, make it sing again. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's such a good part of that movie. I don't think he's allowed to be outright funny very often. I, so I, I know. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, maybe that's it, why. Yeah, maybe that's why I respond to this movie because it's just a nice movie, right? And like, so there's a little bit of a small running joke, Valerie, in amongst this podcast, where a movie like this we would call Mechacore, right? Which is my last name because <laughs> I. Maybe perhaps unlike you, I respond to these movies a lot, right? So like Bill Forsyth movies, for example, like Comfort and Joy, Local Hero, um, you know, there's there's a few others. Um, I tend to love because he makes those type of kind of like offbeat, kind movies, what have you, right? Gregory's a girl, another one, right? Um, anyway. The Grand Seduction is like that, right? It's basically like this small town where everybody used to have a job at a factory and everybody was having sex at night and everybody was having like there's marital bliss and everybody lived a kind of a nice, simple life. 30 years later, there's no factory. There's no sex. People are just kind of sad. They're all picking up their welfare checks. Nobody cares about the town. People are like sneaking back into the main city to get a job, including the mayor, who turns out to be the TSA agent, who has the weird ears, who ends up basically what you find out is Brendan Gleeson de facto has to run the town. And they're basically told kind of if they can get a doctor in their town who can like, you know, be in their town kind of it's a doc hollywood thing really it's like um they a factory will maybe consider consider building in their town thus they would all have jobs again right so because of the cocaine incident they blackmail taylor kitsch's young doctor to come to the town for a month and they have to seduce him to stay that's the whole movie and it's just nice like he's canadian it's funny. Him and Brendan Gleeson have nice chemistry. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not burning the world down. It, like to your point, Valerie, it's like these these are low stakes movie. Nobody's a witch. There's no covenants. Right. There's no snakes <laughs> biting any penises. There's no aliens with fighting battleships. By the way, they never even say they sunk my battleship. I know. In it really they is. never even say it. It re- which is like that's like the lowest hanging fruit of an IP movie like that too, right? right. Like that's literally like what you go to the movie for at that point. Oh, God. Like how do you have Liam Neeson for a weekend and you're giving him two million dollars? I'm making all this up. 
But Neeson, <laughs> you have him in your studio. Neeson in the getting ship. that battleship money. That. And you just say, Liam, do nothing. Do less than yeah. nothing. Be here. Just be use your American accent. Your gruff. And you say, let's get all lines, Liam. Do you have 30 more minutes? And not once do you go, hey, guys, you know what? While we have them, just, hey, Peter, while we have them, let's just have them say, they sunk they sunk our battleship just just to have it just so we have it in the can in the edit maybe we kind of make something happen but no no they don't do it and it's so stupid because no. it's not even like the stupid video game and it's so dumb and i anyway and not why, video game board that's game that's why taylor kitch is on this podcast now and not on the uh actually famous podcast yeah he could could be on the slash film cast with some big blockbuster and i don't know if davindra's still on that podcast but i back in the day he was and i love davindra i don't i don't know hope maybe he is anyway the, whoever is the davindra now could be talking about that but no now he's on our little podcast because he made the grand seduction instead of battleship <laughs> For. I didn't mean your podcast wasn't famous. I mean you have another. You have no, no, no. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, no, right. A, a podcast where they talk about more famous people. You're right. You're right. right. Sorry, Valerie. They, you, on one of your regular. He, he would be on the film stage show. Yes, to your point. Yeah. You're right. right. You're right. I'm Indeed. sorry. I'm sorry. <sighs> but look, shout out to the Slash Filmcast. I mean, hey. yeah. <laughs> I, look, I, I grew up. I grew up listening to the Slash Filmcast. Um, but anyway, Grand Seduction, nice little movie. Um, doesn't really make much of a dent in terms of any sort of, you know, it's like critically. But it's liked. on Prime. You can check it out. It's on it's, Prime. It's a pleasant little um, film. And to your point, to all of our points, I think what you're having here in the career of Kitsch is him figuring out after kind of the unfortunate events of 2012, like, okay. Let me take a minute. Let me take some more interesting roles, right? Around this time, um, you get, I would say, my maybe his best performance in Ryan Murphy's adaptation of The Normal Heart for HBO, which comes out in 2014. It's, a, it's up there. It's a very good performance. I love him in the movie. I think the movie's actually good. I mean, I think it's... yeah incredibly affecting um it's larry kramer who you might know he's an activist writer what have you um he writes the source material the mark ruffalo character in the movie is based on larry kramer his name in the movie is ned weeks um they change the names um but kitsch plays a character named bruce niles and it's it's literally the movie is about you know um the beginnings of the AIDS crisis and just, you know, those horrible years in which thousands of men, uh, gay men mostly, right, were dying and every facet of our um, bureaucracy willfully decided to ignore it and let them die. I mean, you can watch the documentary How to Survive a Plague for more on that, right? You can read Kramer's other stuff, right? You can read the source material. You can watch this movie. Like... It's a really sad, shameful thing that, frankly, was hard to watch now in, yeah. in the world of COVID. To be honest, because because it there's there's a relatability there that honestly I get I guess seems obvious, but like when I was watching it, I was kind of like, wow. <laughs> I, yeah. was like, I don't know. What'd you guys think of it? Uh, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Valerie. No, go Valerie. Go ahead, please. Um, I really liked it, and I have a long history of not liking Ryan Murphy stuff, so I was impressed. Right, 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 right. Same, a lot yeah. of people do. A lot of people do. Yeah, uh, yeah right. 
And I, yeah, I do think it's one of Kitch's best performances. I think um, it's just so nice to see him play. I mean, he's he has a lot of nuance in this role, but just just to play a softer character, I think, because mm -hmm. he really does go for a lot of like action movies, war movies, things like that. And so, um, yeah, just like just little. And I think he. He doesn't get it a ton. I don't think it's a huge part for him in this movie. I might be mistaken, but I also think like he's not really a romance lead that often. And this movie has like a little bit of romance subplot. Well, and I, I think the best part of the movie is his, when he and, and Ruffalo go to the bar after mm -hmm. there's a blow up at the, um, at the, the group that they're running and like the, you know, Ruffalo's character not unlike Larry Kramer in real life is a very abrasive person. Right. So like a lot of the movies about how like him fighting for this disease to be recognized, uh, um, Kitch, who's the president of, of the coalition is basically like, you're, you're making, you're, you're making our jobs harder. Like you're not right. helping. And that's up to, obviously, obviously up to debate and the movie acknowledges that. But anyway, after this like very dramatic scene, they go get a drink and Taylor Kitsch has this fucking monologue about his, I mean, it's a slight spoiler, but not, I certainly don't think it would ruin the movie. His, his lover dying of AIDS and the process of getting him even before he passed away, but, but it's all, it's all kind of congruent to Arizona where his mother lives. Oh yeah. And then, heroin. And, the, and then the yeah. aftermath of that, it is like, and the way Kitsch and what I think what's beautiful about that moment and the performance in general is, you know, Ruffalo is is Ruffalo's going full Ruffalo, right? He's giving you spotlight Ruffalo. He's giving you right. They knew they did yeah, nothing, right? He, right. he, you know, we're dying, right? He's like doing his very, um, his very operatic stuff. I think it works here. It's it is it is a Ryan Murphy thing, you know. So you're gonna get a little bit of that, you know. Yeah. And I think it works here. But Kitch is the opposite. He delivers that monologue like he can't even believe he's like saying it. Like it's yeah. not dramatic. He's like shell shocked. It's like he went yeah, to he's like, like he's he's like war. explaining an event he hasn't yeah. fully processed yet. Yeah, and his yeah. and once again, those eyes, like they're wide and he, he's like trembling, and it's like incredible five minutes of acting, truly. Like um connor you watched this for the first time for yeah this i had i remember when it came out um and i it, it legit it was like when it came out i didn't watch it because i was like oh ryan murphy no thanks like i just like and um what you had texted me something about it uh right before i had watched it and you had mentioned that like how you know in the ryan murphy of it all how surprisingly restrained it is in some of the tendencies that you that are still there but like definitely uh muted uh for the to the benefit of the movie um it felt i mean a lot of it felt a little like acting with an a for me just in general on like most people's parts and i think that's why kitsch comes out as a standout um because he seems like the only one everyone else because i believe it's a it's based on a play right it's adapted yeah. from a play yeah i feel like every almost everyone in it it still carries that same format like everybody gets a monologue right like everybody gets a a moment kind of thing and um and i think kitsch is one of the only people who's performing it like he's not on stage um because i feel like everybody else kind of plays to the rat even julia roberts like in her huge scene or whatever where she like throws everything around and whatever 
uh, kind of everyone's sort of playing to the back row. And I think Kitsch understands the assignment a, a little bit more than some of the other people do. Um, and yeah, to your point, Valerie, about just the soft, the softness, uh, I think it also kind of combines with what you mentioned before of, you know, that tendency of, of being in that really good pocket that he's in of like playing a character who feels like they're pushing up against something. So even the, him being somewhat closeted aside, it's also him having to like literally playing a person who has been made the face of this organization you know, and they say very explicitly, like, because he's so fucking handsome. Right. Yeah. And it feels kind of like him quietly trying to prove his worth as the president of this organization, despite just being very handsome kind of thing, um, which isn't an easy. I feel like that's not an easy thing to pull off because it's so easy to just be like, oh, boo hoo. Like, oh, boo hoo. They say you look like Robert Redford. Fuck off. Right. Like, it's it's I feel like it's very easy to, like, dismiss a character like that. Um, and he nails it. It's so, yeah, it's so good. Um, there is the, actually one of the, and this is sort of also on Ruffalo's part too. There, there is the one little quiet moment. Uh, I, I, I think, is it after that scene, uh, where Ken Kitch is like super drunk and he takes him home? No, that's earlier. Okay. That's that's earlier. Where, where, yeah. Yeah. It's but there's this one really great one. So Kitch is like super drunk. Mark Ruffalo gets him home. Kitch is like vomiting, whatever. And he gets him into the shower and he like whatever. He turns the water on to try and like sober him up a little bit. And he tries to kind of stand him up in the shower at one point and they're standing there and Kitch is basically naked. And Ruffalo has this great delivery where he's just like, oh, I finally get you in the shower and I just I don't want you anymore. And it, but it's this like very like matter like he's saying it to himself. Uh, it's a really nice scene, but, um, yeah, it's definitely, I think, um, in his just overall filmography, I mean, after this, we kind of get to like, he pivots more into the, you know, into the lone survivory supporting roles and stuff, uh, on the big screen. Well, t- TV comes back, right? Yeah. In a big way, right? Yeah, Shoot detectives yeah. the next year. And he, and so he, he pivots into that like fourth lead thing again. And, um, and then you get ultimately to only the brave, which I actually think might be one of my favorite performances of him, uh, of his, because it's. I yeah, I don't know if it's my favorite performance of his, but it's my favorite movie that he's in. Maybe does that make mm. sense? Yeah, only yeah. the brave. I really did. I jump too far ahead of my like breezing path. I mean, we we no no. You know, I, mean, I mean, look, I mean, there's not much, right? Basically, right? He he goes. He's the ostens- he's the ostensible villain in American Assassin, mm-hmm. which is not a strong picture, right? It's kind of a little jingoistic, uh, based on a novel. Um, his character's a bit muddled. What did you if- remind me of, Dan, the other day? Well, so me oh. and Connor, <laughs> so me and Connor, uh, Valerie, fun, fun, fun fact, we went to go see a movie called American Made, starring Tom Cruise, directed by Doug Lyman. At uh, an East Village movie theater back when I, I think the same movie. Th- it was the same theater we saw Savages in, actually. Many, yeah, years ago. <laughs> Savages. We were just on a kitch. It was our, it was our kitch niche. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so the movie starts playing American Made starring Tom Cruise and Dylan O'Brien is swimming in the ocean, and we're like, wait a minute, this is uh, what's happening? And like, <laughs> they the terrorist like attack the first... <laughs> happens, and I like turned to you. I'm like, 
I don't think this is American made. I think this is American assassin. Yeah. Oh my and, gosh. and it was. And it was. And I believe they figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Watched, but it was we, just a solid American like but but it, what I loved is like they're also we stayed out of like You have that like, thought of like maybe this is American made? Like, right, maybe no, Donald Bryan's in the cold <laughs> open of American made. Right. Tom Cruise is going to like save his life or something. Right, right, right. And so I was like a bewilderment plus like a we're just kind of like I guess I, they'll figure it out eventually right at like a solid 15 minutes of American Assassin <laughs> but uh, so American American Assassin is not a great movie you know Kitsch plays basically a rogue operative whose code name is Ghost and he's just basically like it's kind of like a John Malkovich in in the line of fire thing it's like mm-hmm. My country betrayed me. Now I will burn everything down. You're kind of like, all right, buddy. Like we get, yeah. it. you know. So it's a little, it's a little like Harvey Oswaldy, blah blah blah. Only the Brave comes out the same year. It's criminally underseen. Mm. Um, certainly a hard watch, right, Valerie? I saw you kind of post about that as well. Like it's certainly a movie that's kind of shockingly um, real. Like I guess I, I, I certainly remember going to the movie theater being like. Let me give this one a shot. It's been getting good reviews. I like Joe Kaczynski. I like all these actors. And like getting to the end and weep, like I was like fully weeping. And I was yeah. like, oh, I did not think yeah. we were going to go there. I thought it was only the Brave. I didn't think it was only the Brave. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Valerie, about about? You say you like, it's, just, it's your favorite of his movies, you said? Well, it's it's like, it definitely was the most loaded viewing experience. I put it off the longest. Um, my brother is a wild firefighter. Um, so every summer we, I'm pretty sure when this happened in real life, we were like, like I called my mom to say, is he in Arizona? Because like, he will be gone all summer, um, and doesn't have cell service. We don't know where Mm -hmm. he is sometimes because like they move super fast and they actually, I believe changed some of the laws to like give more breaks in between because of what happened in this incident in real life. So, um, so I, I, when this movie came out, I said, I'm never going to watch this because I'm just going to cry. But my sure. brother said he liked it. And my mom said she liked it. And I was like, if they could sit through it, I can sit through it. So, right. um, yeah, it just was like, it's very, it's very hard for me to, uh, divorce it from that. Like it just reminds me of my brother, but, um, it's, a, it's, I loved that it showed people's lives so much. Like, I guess I mm-hmm. thought that the ending was going to come earlier on, but the, it's only the last 15 minutes of the movie or so that, um, that it's actually addressing this incident that happened with these firefighters. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just felt like it was very underrated and, um, and, or I guess underseen and it, it felt real to like a sort of working class, um, perspective in a way that very few movies do while not also having like kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, It's not like pandering. Yeah. No, not Yeah. Not at all. And I remember even like, I remember like Jennifer Connelly, being great in the movie like where it's like yeah she's playing the wife of of josh brolin and you kind of go like oh man like, but it has is way it just more to be, do than you'd think is it gonna role? be wife on the phone yeah. role and it's not no it, she's it, it's great. really not it's like Connolly really serving some great moments brolin kind of playing against type a little bit from what we know him as like kitsch Right, kind of. We were talking about yeah. it. you were saying like kind of doing like the Iceman role with nuance right like yeah. like you know, you got Miles Teller, 
you kind of doing the Maverick role with it just, nuance, it makes, it right? Makes Ironically, a lot of, Joseph Kaczynski it makes a lot literally of has made Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of... I don't know. I mean, they had already, you know, uh, whatever, Cruz and Kaczynski had made Oblivion, Oblivion already. So, like, I don't know what... Well, but you got to think, Cruz yeah. sees only, the, oh, brave sees only like, the Brave. And he's like, oh, he made Top Gun. Like, it's like yeah. a very... Got it. Yeah, he made, he made a... He made a, like... A mature Top right, Gun, yes. right? So, like, to be like, clear, like, this movie is way better than Top Gun. But um, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it goes without saying. But um, but yeah, I kitsch in it. I was just so struck by, yeah, just the treatment of the character, the like, the kind, you know, seemingly Kaczynski. You know, I also full disclosure had no idea it was based on a true story. I like yeah. did not even didn't even function. So like the last 15 minutes hit and I straight up was like, Jesus Christ. Like it was just like ins- I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Um, but the it it's like a less I'm trying to think. Of, I was trying to think of like a what you know, what you would compare it to. And the, the first thing that came to mind, it is I would say equally. Uh, I would say it's sort of treated the same way as something like uh, the perfect storm. Like, but it's not, it's not as like maybe sweeping as the perfect storm, right? Like, well, you know, Wolfgang has the Horner score and all that and whatever. Um, And I, part of me was thinking like that, that almost feels more like a product of just, you know, big movies changing in general, as opposed to like some kind of conscious decision. But like, um, but that was the first thing I could think to compare it to. And, the thing that I loved the most about Kitsch is you just you think for a minute that you're in for you're like you're like, yeah, no, I just I know exactly who all these people are. OK, fine. Right. And you think you're watching a certain movie and, you know, just the way it maybe sooner than you would expect flips all of those character ar- archetypes that it you know, again, knowing nothing about these, who these men were in real life, it, it would seem like Kaczynski and company are maybe like slipping them into familiar archetypes that you can quickly kind of, you know, get the terrain of the movie um, and just turning them on their head. And so when like Miles Teller and I guess mild spoilers, but like when Miles Teller and Kitsch like become buds, like you're just like, oh, this is lovely. Like uh, and yeah, I don't know. I was really there there's such an effortless uh an effortless sort of easy breezy quality to the way kitsch slips on that role that was the most it's certainly maybe not even the most challenging of his so i you know maybe that's why i wouldn't put it as like number 1 but i it's in a in a kind of like Brad Pitt in Moneyball-esque kind of way, I was very impressed with his performance because I think playing not only real people, not only real people in the sense of like people who actually existed, but like real people in terms of like people who just aren't characters or whatever yeah. and like playing like a normal. Well, like you're saying that, like you're, you're like your brother, yeah, right? I like mean, this is a person who this is what they do. It's like, you know, yeah, that, you know, it, you know, it's not, you know, it's not. It's not a thinly veiled Confederate soldier who falls into a cave and wakes up and he's on Barsoom. Right. And it's and not, it's, you know, you know it's, it's like, not a it's not a highway patrol officer who's like closeted and maybe was part of like military contract, you know, like and like is dealing. It's like there's not a ton of. Well, I believe those guys also do exist, but we just don't <laughs> no, know. You know what I mean? Well. Like yeah. it's it's not yeah. uh, it's not mired in some sort of overly dramatic 
baggage or anything like that. He's just like playing a normal guy. As a matter of fact, yeah, and I fact. think those kinds of the quality of those kinds of performances from an actor, I think, never get enough credit. And I think they are they strike they always strike me as exceptionally hard. Um, so that's why well, I your like point, this performance. So a many lot. real, so many impersonations and renderings of real people get awarded very often more now than they ever have before. But to your point, Connor, they are, they're always, or mostly always Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill in darkest hour. And that's certainly a performance and it's certainly an impressive performance, but like, you know, he's putting on the makeup, he's doing the voice. Those are performances that like, and I don't even necessarily mean this in a bad way. I think it's just a matter of fact, but like those are performances that turn a real person into a character. Right. Right. And 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 what you're saying is like Hitch and a lot of these ones, like, you know, whether it's normal heart, whether it's only the brave, whether it's not survivor, what have you, he's kind of choosing in a lot of these respects to not do that. Right. To To like, like, to to, to to do the opposite of that. Yeah. And to know, and it's what, honestly, I mean, it's what makes amazing supporting performances is to just know, literally just like know your lane, right? Like just know your role and like how, whatever you need to do to better serve whatever's kind of the, you know, the broader, you know, goals at hand are of whatever story you're telling. And, um, yeah, I mean, now that you even mentioned it in the con, I, I would almost like if we were to list his five best performances, they're all pro they all probably have that in common, right? Like, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I really, I was like very struck by this movie. Can I ask Valerie, did you watch Waco by chance in your, in your, in your writing critic, critic, criticking? I did watch Waco. I actually just watched it. I didn't watch it as a, okay. Okay. Uh, Okay. But yeah, I, uh, I actually did highlight my top five performances of his. And like Connor was saying, it's almost other than, um, Friday Night Lights, which I think just has a very real texture to it. Sure. Um, sure. All the other well, ones. tell us what are your five? What are your five? Just because we're coming to the end here, anyway. Um, what are, what are yeah. Five? So Friday Night Lights is always gonna, you know, gotta be. Have gotta my be. heart. Um, but then I think I think he's really good in the Bang Bang Club. I think the Normal Heart, Only the Brave, and Waco. Those are my favorites. And four out of five of them, he's a real person. He's playing. Now, yeah. So Waco, he plays David Koresh, right? So we should say I did not watch Waco, which which I tried to. I, I chose to watch the Defeated. Mm. Yeah, I watched. In, like, in, I watched like two in episodes. In terms of mini series to watch, I was like, "Let me watch the defeated," just because I feel like I didn't even know it existed until I started looking at it. <laughs> um, which we can talk about briefly. Um, but he plays David Crash. Obviously, David Crash quite famously, infamously, right, ran a cult. Right? Is that right to say, mm-hmm. Valerie? Right? And he it had a very tragic end. We'll say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the yeah, the series is um. I'm interested to, I was interested to see, uh, I haven't researched how it stacks up to reality because the series I would say is pretty sympathetic to a ton of the people involved and pretty unsympathetic to, you know, it's, it's, it turned out horribly, you know, it was right. like an FBI, FBI siege essentially, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but in yeah. the mid nine, so in the mid nineties, right. A lot of this stuff was happening, right. There was a lot of, you know, in the world of the Oklahoma City bomb, you know, the, the Oklahoma, the Timothy McVeigh in the Oklahoma City bombing and um, the way this Waco uh, like the siege st- event the standoff. standoff. Yeah. And what's the other one that people always reference um, up in the mountains there? Like there, 
there was a few of these things where you had these extremists who now are uh, representatives in our government, which is interesting. But back in the 90s, they were more fringe, and this stuff was alarming. And now it is just a thing that happens all the time. But anyway, this, um, the all these things happen kind of in a row, right? So I think like what you have is like the crash thing happened, the Waco tragedy, right? You had the bombing, you had all these things, and like even like a movie like Arlington Road, right? Is sure, like right. acknowledging these things in the late '90s, right? And it's like this kind of burgeoning. Um, you know, extremism, will it become a problem? Luckily, that never happened and never became a problem. We never worried about it again. So um, I'm interested to watch it and I plan to watch it. And so, so you thought, Valerie, you liked his caress. You thought it was kind of an interesting. Michael Shannon, I believe, is also in it, right? As the, one of the cops, right? Yeah, uh, I thought that he did a great job. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was very good. Um, like you said, some of his best work is TV, and I feel like it is one of his strongest performances. He's very, like, tortured and yeah. strange. and But not, you know, like, you can see him being upset by the things that he's doing and the things that the way he perceives the world is upsetting him. Um, and so it's not like he's, like, a the type of cult leader that you would expect where he's, like, full of rage and things like that. He's just, like, a very There's strange, more going on. strange man that everybody liked around him for some reason. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, so that's definitely a highlight and that was well-reviewed when it came out. Obviously 2019, you have 21 bridges. He is good in that movie. It's that's an underrated movie. It's a Chadwick Boseman vehicle. Um, he's kind of one of the villains. He's almost doing a better version of Chan in that movie. Yeah, um, you yeah. feel like he kind of understands that character better. Him and Stephen James have very good chemistry. Um, certainly an underrated programmer type of movie that barely gets made anymore and kitsch like a lot of these movies is certainly one of the best parts and then just two years ago he was in a movie uh, he's in a miniseries called the defeated which was a european production it's kind of doing a third man meets the good german meets casablanca thing where um, post-war berlin you know meets germany yeah. year zero blah 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 where it's like this new york city cop goes to germany right after the war world war ii and he's tasked with training the local police force but he has an ulterior motive and that is finding his older brother who has been designated a wall and the show is a bit hard to watch. It's like very violent. Mm -hmm. um, it's very mean. Kitsch is doing a New York accent, which certainly is a choice that he made. Yeah, God bless the, him. The yeah, the uh, the mileage kind of gets a little dicey on that accent. You know, Nina Haas is in it and is good as ever. Logan Marshall Green plays his brother, which is obviously amazing casting. When you see them together, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah what? Right. Are they not brothers? They right. look. It, they look like they should be like they look like brothers like did you watch did you watch the defeated by chance or no i did not i missed it in the sense that i i looked through his entire imdb and i didn't even notice it was like out so um, I same yeah i i and like i said it's you watch waco which is great because i chose not to watch waco and i watched <laughs> about half of the defeated i i will say i don't i i frankly don't know if i have the stomach for the defeated to keep watching it just it's a very kind of like some pretty psychopathic things happen in it. And I kind of am like, you know, I'm getting older. 
You know what I mean? That's what the, that's what the grand seductions for is for. Yeah, you, know? I'm a little, <laughs> you go watch your grand seduction. I'm getting a little and, older. I yeah. love kids, but like maybe not. <laughs> What's funny is though, talking about his kind of his, you know, his his success in TV, his next things are TV, right? He's yeah. in an action uh miniseries called The Terminalist, him and Chris Pratt. He's in Painkiller. Uh he's got an HBO series that's up and so he's like kind of full bore into the streaming world, which I think probably is the right move. I mean, right. I think he probably knows where his bread is buttered. Um, I guess Valerie, your top five was great. I'm trying to think if mine would be much different, I guess I would have to say, yeah. I mean, Friday night lights is in there. It has to be. And then definitely only the brave. Um, what did I say? What did I say was my favorite before? Connor? Grand seduction. Grand seduction. Oh, right no, you said there. normal heart was your favorite. Normal hearts right there. So that's four. And then, yeah, I mean, I'll take a bang, bang club. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I agree. Like, like those are kind of the movies. I hundred percent. Connor, you got any? You got no, any I, it's there? not to be lame about it or whatever, but yeah, I think, I think, I think it's re- you know, that that's really the cream of the crop. I do. But you did Connor, you did watch his appearance as male camper in Kyle X. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Um, no, I do. I will say I, I, I think um, he gets a little bit of a bum rap in John Carter, and I do think he's quite sure. good in the movie. But I, I think the problem, the, the dissonance, I think, comes from the tone that they're trying to weight the character, like the weight they're trying to put upon the character, given his like tortured past or whatever, which as we've been sort of saying ad nauseum is his thing, right? So it makes perfect sense for him. I think he, he sort of, it's almost like no one told him that he kind of maybe needed to try to be a movie star. Does that make sense? Like he's in John Carter. Especially in, especially in John Carter. No, right, right, right. And I think he's in John Carter as like, Tim, I have a a friend of mine. We had an inside joke that basically all through 2012, it was, you know, you had Tim Riggins goes to Mars, Tim Riggins uh, sails a boat, and then Tim Riggins sells drugs, right? Like that's what that was like Taylor Kitsch's 2012. And (laughs) And I loved loved that Battleship at the beginning let you think that. It was like, yeah, he legit looks, he's dressed like Tim Riggins. By the way, best part of the movie. Yeah, he's first five minutes, really (laughs) promising things that the rest of the movie is not going to cash in on. And I I will, I, you know, I will say, yeah, the one, sort of the one nice thing about Battleship is you think you're getting. Yeah, is you think you're getting Maverick and instead you're getting Tim Riggins. Like that is actually, I think, kind of nice. Like when you see the way that character is 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 teed up where it's like, oh, hey, you're you're like you are like you're a fuck up and we're just going to tell you that. Um, But but the yeah, John Carter, I that's the one where, you know, I don't know if we mentioned it, but like that was also a, a property in a movie that like Tom Cruise was angling like really, really, really hard to play John Carter and like it would not have worked like to to be clear and like I love well, and, and I love my cruise but like he's he, he yeah, would have been that, too that, old for it like yeah in that rap article that, that that will be available you know in our article and I'll, I'll tweet it out it's made mention that even when they greenlit this incarnation with Kitch and Collins Cruise apparently through his representatives like lobbied to do to like you know 
play John Carter you yeah. know, in, in 2012. Right. Yeah, so Cruz, he just, he Cruz would have been, been 50 years old. So no, no. And like, look, like have, it, whatever. You, know, you would have had to reform the whole thing. Yeah, it just wouldn't. It just wouldn't have worked. But but that said, what that movie is lacking. I mean, it, you know, I, I, I really enjoy that movie, but I think what it is lacking is gravitas he, yeah he has a hard time yeah, I mean, really turn, really, yeah, yeah he has yeah. a hard time really turning it on for the, for the and i camera. think it's funny because i think collins gets it yes I, like i agree do you think lynn collins as deja taurus and uh, princess of mars like she really is she's locked in and even she talks about having to change her character a lot because they had all these rewrites and even with all of that yeah. i think she still shines through i really do and to your point i do think kitsch kind of maybe is leaning into the the dramatics a bit much for what that role maybe was asking of him, right? And you could blame that on Stan. You could blame that sure. on all of the other things. Maybe it's not him. But one problem I have with John Carter is there's not even one Noah Wiley cameo where it's like <laughs> he's John Carter on ER for uh. 10 years and he can't even pop in as like a farmer on Mars like for a scene. <laughs> Not one yeah, scene. Yeah, definitely a lack of Wiley. Um, he was busy so. making Falling Skies, <laughs> which I believe was a show he was on. I believe that was a show yeah. he was on. Yeah. Um, I would y'all put True Detective up there because I'm going to be honest, I, I could not hang with that season of True Detective. Very okay. Well. That was another yeah. timing thing. It was just I, like I was obsessed with season one of True Detective. Yeah, so. yeah, true. Yeah, his his yeah he he's up there high for that's a tough, that's a conflicting season. Um, you know, you got a lot of things going on, but I think his character alongside, um, Colin Farrell's character agreed yeah. are the highlights, right? And you get a lot of different things. You get kind of interesting McAdam stuff happening among uh, not so interesting McAdam stuff, not really her fault. You get certainly very interesting Vince Vaughn things happening, whether or not it works, obviously up for yeah, much it's not, debate. It's not particularly good, but it's certainly, I mean, yeah. he's certainly making heavy choices. God bless him. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly Riley, his wife in the movie, um, also making very significant choices. Um, which you kind of parlayed into Yellowstone, which like yeah. credit where credit's due. She found her she, she found her. She avenue. figured that out. Yeah. She kind of was like, What if I did it, but like maybe yeah. kind of <laughs> even did it more? And mm. they were like, Okay, I mean, and it's a bigger show on TV, so she you know, whatever. But um yeah, that's a good call. I I would certainly highly recommend him and True Detective, with the caveat of of like you also would be watching all of true detective season two. So certainly right. that's, yeah, it's just not, the sum of, it's just not the sum of its parts. Like, like I would equate like what you get from Steven Dorff in season three, which is so very good, good. And the show is good. You're getting in a different way from kitsch in season two, but unfortunately it's season two, right? I think right. that's kind <laughs> of what you're talking about. So to your point at Valerie, yeah, it's like, if you can't hang, yeah, who, who would, who would blame you? Nick yeah. Pizzolatto would probably be like, look, man, I, <laughs> I hey, it's whatever. Uh, final, final, final Taylor, you know, uh, thoughts. I would say I'm excited for anything he does next. Um, 21 Bridges, solid recommend in terms of kind of a lesser, you know, supporting kitsch. He's worth watching in that good movie. Um, uh, Valerie, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I think that I... I, I think he's had like a lot of pockets of really interesting things. So I'm glad he's not um, going entirely in one direction unless that direction maybe is television. Um, 
I do think that he's done a couple of movies that are, like you said, uh, politically a little weird, maybe a little jingoistic. Um, and then he's, but then he's done other movies that are like completely like the texture of like working class America in a very um, interesting and profound way that doesn't leave you feeling strange or like it has a strange agenda. Um, and so I always worry when somebody, uh, you know, enters the one-two punch of Battleship and John Carter, are they going to start doing weird VOD movies that um, right. <laughs> that uh, make my opinion of them as a person a little uh, strange? But um, I think he, he's had a good mix. So as long as he leans into, you know, the more thoughtful side of all of those things, I think he, you know, I don't know. I want him to be successful. <laughs> I'll watch whatever he does. Yeah, I was I, I agree. And I think um, the one thing, you know, whenever we talk about somebody like this, I feel like the one question that always looms is like when you look at whatever the you know, whatever the parabolic arc of their career is or whatever, is it their choice or not? Right. And to me, it would seem like obviously he's not uh, you know, nobody wants a 2012 like his 2012. Right. Like, no, you, you're not choosing to make that happen. But I do think where his career has kind of zigged and zagged since then, it's they seem like conscious choices. He doesn't necessarily seem like someone that we straight up were like, oh, no, thanks. Goodbye. It was more yeah. like, oh, OK, cool. I'm just going to then like go to a where where the roles are more interesting now for a lot of actors, which is television. Right. And B. You know, maybe that maybe there is sort of an unspoken retreat to like, oh, man, I, I fucking crushed it in TV for, you know, five seasons on a show like I'm good at that. Let me just whatever do that. Like so. But it does. It all feels like a conscious decision. And I think even if an actor is not necessarily doing the things that I had hoped I would see them do, like as long as it doesn't feel like they're not doing those things against their will or because they have to, or just to make the check or whatever. It feels like they're trapped or something. Yeah. That that's where it gets sad. But for him. Yeah. I, I agree. It with doesn't feel you. like that. I agree. No, yeah, it, it, doesn't feel it, like it seems like he has still has a bright future. Yeah. And he has, so I just think he surprises us like each thing that we've talked about that has been interesting aside from, you know, like if you look at the normal heart and you look at Waco and you look at only the brave, those are such different performances. Mm -hmm. So, so true. Sure. Like so true. Um, there are some corners of characters that he, we won't even know what it'll look like until it happens. You know, I think he mm -hmm. has a lot of potential to do more surprising things. Yeah, so and he's cool. only forty-one. You know what I mean? It's like uh, yeah, he's, he's got young man. decades. God yeah. willing, I mean, you know, yeah. it's like you know, um, and he looks like Taylor Kitsch, which is great. Yeah. That <laughs> helps. That's always, a always, huge plus. Always that he looks like Taylor Kitsch. I mean, that's honestly <laughs> good for him. Um, well, Valerie, thank you so much for jumping on. This is a long time coming, and we really appreciate you taking the time to talk kitsch with us. Um, remind people where they can find your writing, Twitter, all the things. Sure, and yeah. And everything. Uh, yeah, I do TV coverage at Film School Rejects. Um, I do news coverage and some reviews at Slash Film. I'm also doing reviews at The Playlist, um, so all three of those. And then on Twitter, it's A and E and Val, or just search the word Ettenhofer. There's, like, nobody else with that name. <laughs> Yeah, no, hell yeah. Yeah, it's a great, you're a great follower. We were talking about it before we started recording. You got a good running list of movies that you're watching, including the recent kitches. Um, so uh, yeah, once again, thanks for, thanks for uh, being with us. And Connor, I will pass it to you. I guess I'll say at DJ Mecca, um, I have reviews of Memory, 
starring Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. I have reviews of a couple other smaller movies that are uh, uh, currently out. Um, one coming out, Montana Story, if you're listening, that review of that movie by um, a duo of filmmakers I would highly recommend. Fun fact, one of their movies, Uncertainty, starring Lynn Collins, as a matter of fact. Um, oh, good for her. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Montana Story is their new movie, so that I will have reviewed if you're listening, most likely, if not soon. And um, yeah. Connor, over to you to uh, finish this up. Yeah. Uh, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Scruffy Looking. You can find this podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFS B-Side. Uh, I have a couple things, I guess, as of w- when the- this will be releasing t- towards the end of May, I guess. Uh, so we will have had aired our Gene Hackman episode. You can listen to that if you hadn't listened to it. We will have a forthcoming episode on uh on the b-sides of val kilmer uh which i am excited about and then uh i also as of this airing uh will have reviewed for the film stage both dr strange and maverick so uh i'm you know we'll see what i think of those i suppose but um but yeah other than that uh if you like what you've heard please do rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts because it helps us out a bunch. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, other than that, just remember, clear eyes, full hearts. Can't, Can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.